Okay, everyone, welcome to a fantastic episode of Making the Metaverse. After being on break for a little bit, it's great to be back in the recording studio and I'm delighted to have Maria Besara. She's going to correct me on that in a minute, uh, who's an AI business strategist, uh, presenter, a pro prolific volunteer. Um, and content creator. If you don't already follow her on LinkedIn, you totally should because she's got a ton of insightful and informative content with a splash of humor. She's worked for TD, Deloitte, and Canadian Tire and holds a graduate degree from Smith at Queen's, uh, which is, I think, how we got connected. Um, she's currently director of AI Expedition, a community-driven project that makes learning about AI accessible to everyone. Delighted to have Maria's time today. Thank you so much. Great to see you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much for the invitation and very happy to be here to talk a little bit more about my journey. Oh, fantastic. Because I, I love stories. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. so, so stories have a, an origin, they have a starting point and from what I can tell, um, you uh, your story starts in a place called Cucuta in yes. Colombia. Is that right? That's correct. And just for everyone's awareness, Cucuta is a very small city. Well, in comparison with other cities in Colombia, and it's right in the border with Venezuela. So as a kid, sometimes we would go to Venezuela by car and it would take us like 10, 15 minutes. So we were crossing the border almost every week. Wow. Um... And was it, uh, what was that border crossing like? Like, was it a big deal? Was it just pretty much like paying a toll and crossing a bridge? Like, no. uh, how... Yeah, it was pretty easy. Like, no yeah. challenges at all. Like, you would just go as if you were going to another neighborhood, to be mm -hmm. honest. And there was a time where Venezuela was like this huge, um, had this huge economy. And because it was much cheaper for people in Colombia to go and there, uh, we would go and buy oh, and do okay. shopping and things like that. Okay. Oh, cool. And um, and you said that Cucuta was a like a smaller town. Like, is it like smaller than the big cities in Colombia, or actually like a small place? Yeah, com in comparison with other cities. Uh, well, to give you more perspective, Cucuta has around a million um, people living there, and Bogota, which is the capital of Colombia, has about ten million people. So yes, a tenth of a big city and. The other thing is that most of the opportunities are in the big cities like Bogota or Medellin. So Cucuta doesn't have like the headquarters of the companies there. Like most of the work is in the commercial side or jobs with the government. So there are not so many opportunities. And that's why a lot of people move to the capital or to other big cities in the country. And did you, um, when did you make that move? Like, did you go to, did you take all of your schooling? Well, you have a lot of schooling. We'll talk <laughs> about that. But, uh, you know, your first sort of um, post-secondary studies, did you do those in Cucuta or did you, did you go to another city for that? Oh, that's an interesting question because when I was finishing high school, I wanted to go to Bogota because, as I said, that's where most of the opportunities were. But I didn't know anyone there Um no one in my family had moved to Bogota. So it seemed weird to me. I didn't have anyone to relate to or to look up to. So I, I don't know, I was super afraid and I ended up staying in Cucuta. And that's what I did my undergrad in engineering. Then at the end of the program, we had to do some internships. 
And it was really one of my friends who pushed me much to do so. And we went to Bogota to apply for all these internships and ended up working for one of the biggest uh, petroleum company in Colombia called Ecopetrol. Over there, I work in the project management side, and that's how I started my career. But it was thanks to that internship and to that friend who kind of pushed me to, to move away from my hometown. Yeah, I saw that um, as I was tracing sort of your background. You So you studied industrial engineering. Mm-hmm, yes. So for was... people that didn't study industrial engineering, what, what did you learn about? Uh, it, it was like a mix of first, the first years are all the basic components in mathematics, statistics, chemistry, a lot of chemistry. I even took thermodynamics. Um, Yes, and then Isn't that like you... rockets. Isn't that for like rockets? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you can apply it there too. Yeah. Uh, but as you move through the through the program, you started taking more business oriented courses, okay. entrepreneurial courses, and then at the end they ask you what specialization you wanted to take, and specialization in materials, so polymers, ceramics. Uh, I can't even remember the other one, but I decided to go to to the polymer side. And I wanted even to have my thesis or graduation project in that area, but it was too technical for for the program. So they rejected that. But that's another story and ended up working in material requirement planning for my final project, which involved a little bit of data analysis and prediction. So that's how I started like okay, putting some idea. Okay, that's the, the link that I was looking for yeah. as I looked into the sort of transition from you know, this industrial engineering studies uh-huh. and and then your a lot of your experience is business analyst, business analyst, business analyst. Yes, that's how it all started. And, and so then um, w- tell me about uh, after the internship, what um how much time was there between that moment and when you came to Canada? Uh that was about ooh, five years. Okay. Of, yes, okay. it was almost five years. So as soon as I finished my internship, I moved to another oil and gas company. It didn't work well, and that's why it's not even <laughs> listed on my LinkedIn profile. I just stayed there for like five months. That's when I learned what a toxic environment means. Okay. Uh, yeah, there was no way for me to go back there. Um, then I joined an airline company, which is called Avianca, one of the largest airline companies in Colombia and even in Latin America. Uh, then I started working there as a refund analyst. So it was a little bit of accounting and I was super surprised that I was doing that because I don't like that area a lot, but it was like my way to get into the company. Uh, and then uh, because of a strike, a pilot strike, uh, there was a need to start implementing robotic process automation. So we needed to automate all the processes to refund money to our customers. And because I had experience on the technology piece and also on the business, they pulled me for, to that project. And that's how I started working more at the intersection of business and, te- and technology being the translator of the requirements, basically. Then I moved within the same company uh, to another role in the commercial side. It was called a strategy analyst. And that started involving more data analysis and trying to forecast how our sales were going to, to be for the following months in our agencies. 
So a lot of interesting projects in that airline. So then, um, so it sounds like things are going well for you, but then you, then you, did you, did you come to Canada from Colombia or were there other, was there another stop in between there? Uh, there was a, while I was at um, university studying my undergrad, I took a break of two years to go to the U.S. Uh, so when I went there, that's when I said, I really want to live abroad. I really like the idea of all the opportunities that I can find here for my personal and professional growth. But uh, there were some challenges that I had along the way. So I had to go back to Colombia, finish my undergrad, and I work in Bogota. And then I had that in my mind always to move away, to move abroad. And while I was there in Colombia, I said, I think it's time to do it. I was then growing a lot and I felt a little bit stuck in my career. So I saw this as an opportunity for me to grow and decided to, to come here to Canada. So why, so why Canada? You come to Canada, you came to, to, to Mohawk to study uh -huh. business analytics. Yeah, so I, to be honest, Canada wasn't plan A. Canada was plan B. Ah, plan A was How is that Germany. possible? It's the best place in the world. <laughs> I know. Now I know. Now I know. But yes, plan A was Germany. Uh, oh, okay. I had some challenges there and I couldn't make it. Uh, but my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, knew about all these immigration processes, these mm -hmm. pathways. And he told me, why don't we try Canada? You want to go abroad? Um, let's see how it unfolds. And it worked very well, much faster than what I thought. In fact, I was working at a, at a pharmaceutical company called Sanofi at the time. And I had to quit my job only after three months because all the documentation and all the process uh, was so quickly. And while I was there, um, I was applying to different schools right here in Canada. And I was working in data analysis in Colombia, but I noticed that a lot of managers had a lot of business inside, a lot of business acumen. So I, I thought that that's what I needed to do for my career. And that's why it shows business analysis when I came here to Canada to improve that those skills that I was missing. It seems like things went pretty well. I mean, it, you you worked at uh, Canadian Tire, you worked at Deloitte, you worked at uh, TD Bank all in, a, in that period around, was it after Mohawk, during Mohawk, but around that uh -huh. time, yeah? Yeah, it was right after Mohawk. So when you are a student, or an international student at least, you are only allowed to work up to 20 hours, yes. at least when I was there. Mm -hmm. uh, so I could never apply to a full-time role. But right after I finished my program at Mohawk, it was during the pandemic time. So it was a little bit challenging, but mm -hmm. I was able to land that role at Canadian Tire after, after my program finished. And after that, yeah, I moved to to Deloitte and then TD and now Jonas Software. And and where um, where did AI start to kind of uh, become an interest for you? Was it was it around this time? Was it because you have this work experience? You're at Mohawk. You have this work experience, and then you you know you've already got lots of education, great experience, and and then you decide to to take a master's degree at Smith, which is a pretty mm -hmm. big credential um in uh uh artificial is it in was it in artificial intelligence or analytics what, what was the title of that one 
Yes, it's masters of management in artificial intelligence. Right. So, so, uh -huh. so, what happened? Was it your exposure to industry working for TD and Deloitte and Canadian Tire that kind of gave you that insight? Was it something that you like? Where where did that sort of um, spark come from mm -hmm. for you to sort of make that jump? Yes, very good questions, Michael. <laughs> As, uh, as I was saying, I was a kind of a data analyst back in Colombia. Yeah. I came here to study business, but then I was working at Canadian Tire and I thought I miss again the data piece. I, it's not something that I can read of. So I took a data science course in 2021, I believe. And this is a course provided by Data Science for All, Correlation oh, yeah, so, One. Yeah, yeah. This is an institute or a non-for-profit in the U.S., who are who is trying to educate people from all different backgrounds in data so i strongly recommend everyone to go and check the website because they have different cores um every year and it's a free program very very well-rounded program in that program i took these data science courses and they briefly touched upon ai we even did some projects in ai but very basic that was in 2021 I was just going to uh, say, can you timestamp that? Because now things yeah. <laughs> move very quickly. So, uh -huh. so 2021, okay. And yeah. that was before ChatGPT was yes. the cool thing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, before that. And um, then I was like, okay, I learned the basics, but I need to learn more if I want to be good in this. So I joined um, the University of Toronto and started taking a machine learning course. The idea was to take the full certificate, but I just finished the first course, the machine learning one, and thought to myself, why am I going to spend other months in this? I better apply for the master's right away because I know this is what I really like. Hmm. So I joined the master's program at Queen's in 2022. And that's when I started. That was kind of July, August of 2022. And then that, in November. Was that the first cohort? No, this is actually the fifth cohort. Fifth cohort. Okay. Yes. And then in 2022, in November, that's when ChatGPT was released and right. everyone became an expert yeah. <laughs> on the topic. I, me included. <laughs> uh, that's an exception. You are actually starting about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so, um, what was, uh, what was it like coming from industry and doing the, the degree at Smith? Um, did you, did you, were you well prepared? Was it, was it, was it a different content? You also did some studies at, at U of T. So what, what was the program like at Smith in, in terms of what you knew and what you had experienced so far? Mm-hmm. At the beginning, it was kind of okay because the first topics, which was uh, kind of a little bit of a statistic and math, were very related to what I had studied in my undergrad. But then when we got into machine learning, even though I had taken already a course at U of T, it seemed a little bit challenging for me, especially mm -hmm. the coding piece. Yeah. I'm not a coder expert. Like I can code, but what takes me one day for an expert can take like a few minutes few hours i don't know but yes it was challenging i even thought several times of quitting but mm -hmm. uh, you never give up so yeah <laughs> i continue my program and i think you need to start relying on your peers like asking for help because 
that's the way to succeed. Like you have to leave your ego on a side and understand mm. that you are not expert on everything and that it's okay to ask for help. That's why companies form teams and departments because in a team you can brainstorm and learn better. So I started relying on my peers, on my team and started doing some extra work outside of the school to, to keep up with the learning of other people who had more experience in the topic. Hmm. And what I really like about the program is that intersection of business and AI. So yes, we were coding, but every project that we built was always presented on a way that was um, targeted to people who didn't have a technical background. Like, how would you present this to your stakeholder, to your business leaders mm. who had no idea of AI? So that helped us beca- become better translator of technical mm. concepts to non-technical people. That's such a an important, um, mm. such a such an important lesson, I think, for a lot of students who excel in the very technical sense. Uh-huh. but want to bring some new product to market um, is, you know, understanding how to talk to people that are not technical experts, how to, how to pitch to people that are not technical experts. So I love um, seeing hackathons that are interdisciplinary at the university that allow the you know, people, maybe uh, maybe someone uh, from arts and science to to match up with someone from engineering and maybe someone else even from from business um, to to work together and to collaborate. Uh, I think it I think it um, increases the su- the success rate of of, yes. of product launches. Yeah, exactly. Because the diversity of thoughts and ideas is what makes really a company or a product or an idea more successful for sure. Mm. Um, so, so what was it like then? So you're, you're wrapping up a master's degree uh, at Smith, uh, a degree from Smith is, is, um, is, is a pretty big credential. And, uh, on top of that, you're, you're walking out with artificial intelligence under your mm-hmm. arm. Um, so what was it like then, uh, re-entering industry? It was a little bit intimidating (laughs) because I had uh, spoken with a few people. I have had coffee chats with other peers from the program, like previous um, students. And some of them told me it's going to be hard to find Mm. a job. It's not going to be easy. You're not going to find it. I haven't found one after I graduated. So that was like getting stuck on my head. And I was starting doubting myself whether I would find uh, a job in AI, which is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, I brushed up my resume, started working on projects on a side anyway, and started applying and applying until I was finally able to land my current role as an AI business strategist at Jonas Software. And yes, it was like a very daunting, I would say mental process, but I'm glad that I um, took the chance on myself and kept working on that to to land this job. And had you been building your LinkedIn profile back then, or or is that something that's happened since wrapping up at Smith and entering into industry again? Like when when I'm because this is something we'll come back to later because of some of your other passions. Um, but when do you feel like LinkedIn, what you sort of 
realize that you're like a LinkedIn person, which is which you are, <laughs> right? Like, so there's a moment when you're like, you know what, I'm I'm all in on this thing. Yeah. Oh, it took me several iterations. I started working with my LinkedIn profile when I was looking for my first job in Canada. Uh, oh so wow! Was, okay. Yes, in 2020, kind okay. of. Okay. Okay. Yes, I, I opened it when I was in Colombia, but never used it. One of right. my friends even told me that's very important. You should update it, but I never paid attention. Right. Then I moved here and realized that it is a huge deal. Yeah. It can make your life much easier if you are very conscious of the work okay. that you put into it. So I started working on that, but it wasn't very constant, to be honest. And then there was this person, he's uh, his name is Albert Bellamy. He is a data person and he were, he created a challenge, the 30-day challenge, where he encouraged all of us to post for 30 days. Yeah. Um, so I did the challenge and I was like, oh, okay, uh, I like this. I like to share my ideas and people like to learn about this too. So I, I continue doing it and now I really enjoy it because I've met a lot of nice people through LinkedIn. I've got very good opportunities, not only in a professional environment, but also in a personal side. I've met good people who have become my friends here in Canada, and it's a great place to be. And I don't have Facebook or Instagram, so mm. that's how I also keep up to today with the different trends and things. Mm -hmm. Okay, I want to circle back. I want to circle back to that. Um, for some other, like I said, you have some other passion projects I want to talk about, but, um, first let's talk about Jonas. Yes. So you, uh, you worked for these, um, big brand names that, that anybody in Canada would recognize. I don't know that Jonas would be a name that would be recognized by just everyday people. So what is this firm and, and, and why did you, um, decide that? that there was an opportunity for you at that at that agency. Yeah, so Jonas uh, is a software company that acquires uh, companies in different verticals, so mm -hmm. different software in different verticals. And if you have noticed my profile, I've been kind of job hopping like, for several years now because I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I get bored when it's the same topic. Yeah. That's the reality. But mm -hmm. here at Jonas, something that is very cool is that because we get to work with so many different verticals, you are learning every day mm. from different companies, from different leaders and from different topics. So for example, today I might be working with a company focused on software for Marina, but tomorrow it's a software for beauty or software mm. for golf and club. So there's so much diversity and that's something that excites me a lot. Also, I love the idea that I can help this company research more about AI, which is what I used to do in my free time anyway, and educate people about this topic, which is updating very quickly on a daily basis. Okay. Yeah. That sounds, uh, that sounds like me too. <laughs> I like to have, uh, let's call it variety. <laughs> yes. That variety. There you go. Yeah. Some are, some people are more familiar with the pairing company, which is constellation software, mm -hmm. uh, especially people in the finance world. I've noticed when I tell them that I'm working at Jonas, which belongs uh, to constellation, they, they are more familiar with that company, but yes, to your point, you know, not everyone is familiar with, with the name of Jonas software, but that will change <laughs> because now I'm working there. <laughs> and, um, how, how does AI 
integrate with your with your work uh, on a on a at, at on those projects at Jonas yes so what I every day is different right but uh what I do like from a high level perspective is to learn to keep learning more about AI to check what is happening in the market what are other companies doing in terms of AI and then look at the companies that we have look at the kind of business and problems that we are trying to solve and see how AI can help or maybe not help them um, increase the improve their business. And when I identified that, I advise these leaders on how they can start or continue their journey and whether some use cases might be of benefit for them. So it's more like an advisory consultant role, I would say, um, not so much about the implementation piece. Wow, so you're kind of like a researcher, I guess, in, in a yes. way. Yes. That yes, sounds exactly. like a really amazing job. <laughs> it is. It is, Michael. I'm so happy because in the past, while I was doing my master's at Queens, in my free time, that's what I would do when I got home. Mm -hmm. I would keep reading about the news. Even after I finished the program, I would wake up and look at the newsletters, keep watching videos, keep getting up to date with all the different topics. So really, it, it's a cool job to, to have. So, um, so then what about AI expedition? I, I, <laughs> I, I saw some posts on the AI expedition yes. page, introducing different people uh, that are involved in the project. Yes. Um, so who started the project? Uh, I started it uh, last year. Well, okay. it came to my mind last year. Yes. So I kind of I... wondered because I was like, <laughs> well, there she's, I can't, I couldn't find that in writing uh -huh. anywhere. Yeah. which I found interesting, but you were yeah. very much actively promoting and celebrating uh -huh. the project. So I thought, okay, she must have something to do with it, but I can't <laughs> find it written anywhere. So uh -huh. so I'm, I'm, the mystery is solved. It's so solved, tell me yes. about this, this, this project then. Mm -hmm. I started talking to a few people last year and realized that they were afraid of AI and they just had the idea that somehow they it's going to take over our jobs, our lives, et cetera. So I see that still a lot of people are have a lot of fears of AI. And I wanted to, to break that. I want people to feel more informed and empowered to learn more about AI without going through like technicalities or very hard concepts. So I decided to join forces with um community that I belong to. It's called Women Tech Makers and right. found yeah. that a lot of people wanted to be speakers in that session. So initially the idea was to host one session, but there are so many one session and that's it. So I was like, okay, maybe let's create a whole journey, a whole expedition where people can start learning from the intro of what is AI to more technical concepts like computer vision, but in a friendly way. So every month, the idea is to host these sessions and educate people about AI without the technicalities of the concepts. That's our Interesting. goal. So it kind, of, it kind of mirrors in some way the work that you're doing at Jonas then, sort of uh -huh. acting as that kind of interpreter or that Rosetta Stone between, between the two camps, between the very technical and 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 people that want to understand uh, how to be able to leverage the technology, but don't necessarily uh, have the the time or the space or the bandwidth to become technical experts, exactly. Exactly. And if you think about it, in the near future, 
everyone is going to be interacting with AI in some sort mm. of way. Nowadays, most people are doing it already. So I hope that with this program, people can feel more encouraged and be more knowledgeable about the capabilities, but also the limitations that this technology has. So that's that's my hope with this program, Michael. And is it um is it dedicated? Is it sort of like uh, are you are you are you creating this community focused on 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 women uh, particularly? Because you you mentioned the that the, was it women tech makers I think. So yes. it, are you continuing with that sort of um, effort to sort of uh, focus on on females, or is this a is this open to to everyone? This is open to everyone, but. With this project, I'm also trying to target other topics sure. that I'm passionate about, which is yeah. um, bridging the gap for women. So I see it also as a way to highlight all the work that women are doing in the space. And that's why the speakers of at least the first six months are all women. Mm -hmm. uh, so also because they were the ones who volunteer from the beginning to host the sessions to be the speakers mm -hmm. and I so okay why not educate people but also highlight the work that these women are doing in the field uh, so that's that's the the reason why you see women's there and a lot of uh, advertisement around that area um you uh, made a post uh, about being the only uh, Latina in the Smith program. So uh -huh. was there was there also a, a, a gender imbalance uh, as well in in the program, or was it was it more even? I would say it was kind of even. Okay. Um, a little bit more of men than women, but uh, generally speaking, okay. it was yes, kind of even. Yes. And a lot of diversity, but unfortunately, Latino background, it was only me. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, so the, 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 the other sort of um, passion that I see in your work uh, has to do, well, well, there's a couple of things, but we could say, um, you know, professional advancement mm -hmm. um, and empowerment. Uh, but also uh, specifically, uh, you you have an interest in in helping newcomers. It seems yes. I see that. Uh, so, uh, dis full disclaimer: I don't know if you saw my top mate uh, announcement yet, but no, I yeah. So know. I saw. So I I I was you know researching uh -huh. for this show and and I clicked on the link that you have for top mate. Yes. And I was like, you know, when you have that moment where you where you engage with a product or a service and you're like, wow, uh -huh. this is great. I, I want this. Yes. So uh -huh. immediately I signed up and I was like, I'm going to do awesome. this too. <laughs> Congrats. But, <laughs> I'm going to look that post and, and like it and comment for. Oh, whatever. thank you. Yeah. And it was great because um, uh -huh. I don't know how, how, but I put, I put one of the uh, automated posts that publishes directly from TopMate. Yes. And uh -huh. immediately, like immediately there was all of this uh, uh support that came from other people in the top mate community as well yeah. uh, but anyways this is not about me it's about you i noticed <laughs> that you have for example like a, 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 a you you encourage newcomers to reach out to you and speak to you and and yeah. so um so can you talk a little bit about your your passion there in, in terms of um supporting uh newcomers why is that um important to you i mean obviously you're extremely well qualified based on your journey mm -hmm. to to and, and people should absolutely 
take advantage of the opportunity to to speak with you. Um, but uh, what's that passion uh, about for you? Well, I think the passion began when when I uh, when I was reflecting through my journey here in Canada. The first the first few months after I graduated from Mohawk, I was struggling a lot to find that first job. And I went through so many videos, readings, and articles because I didn't know how to land a job here in Canada. I thought it would be the same as I was doing it back in Colombia. I had the same resume for such a long time mm. that I thought it would work perfectly fine mm. here. And then you realize that's not the case. So I don't want people to go through the same hurdles that I went through and had to go through the same process that I went through. So if they can reach out to me and I can help them to navigate that journey or that process in a faster mm. and simpler way, uh, I'll be happy to do it. And um, so it's interesting because I, I uh, so last semester I taught a course on career strategy management mm -hmm. for the students here. And I have large numbers of international students um, and, uh, and, and not just international students, I think um, probably people around the world uh, have this idea of the resume as being sort of like the, the thing, right? Like it's all yeah. about the resume. Mm -hmm. And um, I had my students, you know, I, 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 my guidance to them was, yes, have a good resume, but like, mm -hmm. let's build your network. Let's get you on LinkedIn. Let's have you yes. building your brand. Um, and, and have people come to you instead of you always mm -hmm. having to go and knock on other people's doors. And I've had some really incredible uh, success stories that have, have come from my students, even just in a couple of months that have put that um, uh, advice in, into practice. Um, and so um, what are your, what are your, what is your tips and your thoughts and, and what is your recomm recommendations for those newcomers you know, is is the resume the 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 thing that you should just put all of your your eggs in one basket, or is there something that they <laughs> yeah. that that maybe something else that that's required? Uh, something that I strongly highlight uh, for anyone looking for a job is to start working first on your mindset because you can oh. have the best resume, the best LinkedIn profile, but if you mm. don't believe that you're going to land that good job, mm. you're just going to go with the first thing that appears in your in, to you. Um, sometimes we say, oh, I'm going to go and look for jobs and things like that. But if you don't have something on mind, if you don't feel like you're qualified for something, it's going to be harder to believe in yourself. And if you don't believe in yourself, why would others believe in you? So that's number one, your mindset. Um, and then second, like it comes with all these um, assessment of what are your current skills? Where do you want to go next? And look at what is that gap. Uh, third, I would say is the market research because depending on the city, the uh, province where you are, even the country where you are, the market is very mm. different. So look at what industries or companies are hiring more mm. for that specific skills that you're trying to target. Uh, then we move to the artifacts. Sorry, I'm just thinking here of all the framework that I have uh, created. It's and amazing. then the yeah, the artifacts piece comes to your resume, your LinkedIn profile, but also a portfolio. And sometimes we think of portfolio mm. only for designers or right, marketing right. people, but people who are coding or people who are on the business side should also have a portfolio to help them stand out among other mm. other mm. candidates. 
And then uh, it comes to the piece of networking, which you can do through LinkedIn, which is the mm -hmm. easiest way for you to start yeah. networking. But you're actually networking every day, wherever you yes. go, wherever yeah. you are. If you go to, I don't know, to sports or to cooking class, wherever you go, be very mindful of those opportunities that you're mm -hmm. connecting with others and express to them who you are, but also what you're looking for. You never know where the next opportunity will come from. So that those are like the wow. Where do I sign up? <laughs> <laughs> Top mate. <laughs> um, so uh, this has been really uh, amazing, uh, Maria. I've so enjoyed this. Um, one of the things that I uh, think, well, there's many things about you that are impressive and and unique, but um, I, I feel like you're really well positioned to. Um, to speak to how people can be leveraging AI tools, um, both personally and and professionally at work, um, I kind of I kind of feel like like a lot of people don't yet realize the power of those tools and the leverage that you can get from from using them. Um, what's, what's your uh, sentiment and what's, what's your, what's your, what are your thoughts there? Uh, I think that a lot of people are still very afraid of what these tools are doing. So something that I really, really recommend everyone is to have the time to go through the terms and conditions of when you are signing to a new product, to understand how your data is being used. And depending on that, on how your data is being used, be mindful of what you are inputting right there. So some companies express very clearly in that section that they are going to use that data for other third parties companies. Okay, so then your data is going everywhere. So be very mindful mm. of what sensitive data you're putting. Um, other companies are like, no, we are not using your data. This is only for um, our repository. So, okay, then maybe you can put a little bit more. But yes, be very mindful of how your data is used because whatever you put out there can be reused or be exhibited in, in the near future. So I think that by understanding that, that would give us more confidence on using these products for, for our own benefit, really. Because why being like very rustic and going through the whole process if we can have automated tools that can simplify our life and then we can dedicate that time to more strategic activities that can add more value to our companies or to ourselves. Yeah, I like that um, being able to leverage the automation so that we can engage in higher order thinking, more more yes. strategic level thinking. Yeah. Um, so uh, do you have any um, parts of your workflow that you can say have been dramatically disrupted or changed by introducing an AI tool of some sort? Or is it um, more just sort of like creeping in everywhere? I would say it's going everywhere, but uh, the piece that I use a lot to leverage is um, for writing. So for mm -hmm. example, at AI Expedition, I have to write a lot of letters to invite yeah. people to yeah. be speakers or yeah. for thank you notes. So I use it a lot for that. Um, in the past, I would have to come up and think for, mm -hmm. with, for something, but yes, using this um, ChatGPT or Jasper AI, which I also like a lot, um, it's very easy to, to build those communications. And what else I would say, there are another search engines like, well, 
platforms like Perplexity, which mm -hmm. are also very nice to use because you can find information like on Google, but with the user-friendly interface of ChatGPT, and it links most of the sources as well. As any other um, LLM power tool, it has its hallucinations, but it's more accurate. And with the links, you can verify. So yeah, there are so many tools that are helping the way we work. And I, I'm so grateful to be living in during these times. That's a great um, attitude to have. And I, I love what you said about uh, earlier about the mindset when you're uh, job searching. I told my students, to um to have a a mindset of abundance you know th that there's lots yes. and lots of jobs mm -hmm. out there there's lots and lots yes. of money out there um and to and to try it's hard of course i understand mm -hmm. it's hard but to try and cultivate that sort of mindset of of abundance um and it, it will change the way that the world i believe it changes the way that the world regards you as an individual mm -hmm. when you come from that place as opposed to um a place of uh, scarcity um, exactly I like but that. Uh, a lot of students, you know, you you have so much, uh, so many accomplishments, and and you you've you've had such an incredible adventure, and and I I imagine that that gives you some confidence and some some certainty mm -hmm. about your ability to navigate your way in the world. And I think about students that are graduating right now. Um, you know, they they've been through uh, the pandemic. Uh, some of them. And uh, now also AI is completely disrupting everything. Um, so before we sign off, uh, what do you what what do you say to to those students that are coming to graduation and 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 entering into a world that just seems like it, you know, maybe it doesn't look anything like the world that they knew when they started? <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, first of all, for all the kind words that you said about me, Michael. Um, I, I want to start by saying to your students and everyone listening to us that success comes in so many different ways and shapes. For me, success so far has been um, learning about new tools, learning about new technologies, uh, improving or going all the way up through, through my career. But for other people, success might be just starting a family and being with them full time. So that's one. Success comes in different ways. Find what success means to you and work for that. But yes, don't just give up because you feel like you're not good enough. Just define what is success for you and put all your effort and energy towards that. And second, I would say embrace AI uh, sooner <laughs> rather than later because at some point it's going to uh, touch your, your job. And it's better that you feel prepared, confident to to um, go with the new with the new trends, I would recommend starting with the AI for Everyone course by Andrew N, which you can find on mm -hmm. DeepLearning.ai, and it's free, it's short, and it has a lot of good concepts for you to get started. And of course, join AI Expedition if you want <laughs> to keep learning more um, about AI without the technicalities. Um, thank you so much, Maria. Uh, for people in the audience that uh, would like to to connect with you, how shall they go about that? Should, what should we put something in the show notes? Should they look you up on LinkedIn? Um, yes. where, where do you want them to connect with you? Oh, we can AI expedition. The, <laughs> the LinkedIn profile on the notes, but yeah, that's where okay. I hang most of my time on LinkedIn. Great. Yes, uh, that's where you can find me. Yeah. 
I know. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Maria. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for your time and, and for sharing your experiences. Um, really means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invite, Michael. Okay, see you soon. Bye.